this epistle of St. Paul to Titus. Then, beloved, the kindness of God our Savior dawned on us, his great love for man. The church would have us hear this as if instead of the word then, we pronounce the word today, or if you will, now. Today, beloved, the kindness of God, our Savior, dawned on us his great love for man. Or again, now, beloved, the kindness of God, our Savior, dawns on us his great love for man. I have been praying much over the meaning of reparation, possibly because for me this is a theological term that I'm compelled to search out, to ponder, to clarify at least for myself. And at least now, I've come to the conclusion that there can be no understanding of reparation unless one understands Christ as the new Adam and the Blessed Virgin Mary as the new Eve. that Adam and Eve should rule over his perfect creation and offer it back to him to the praise of his glory. Such was God's plan in the beginning. And so we speak of a royal couple and of a sacerdotal couple. Adam and Eve were created, invested in a royal priesthood. Their task, their mission, their glory was to order all creation, preside over it, and lift it up, giving it back to God, to the praise of His glory. When Adam and Eve sinned, all of creation fell into chaos, darkness, disorder, disharmony. What become of God's plan? Things went from bad to worse. We know this from the account of the world's state prior to the flood. We know that God grieved over man. We know that 
that he grieved over his creation to the point of regretting it. So it was necessary to repair what had gone awry. And so we see in the flood and in the ark as in a figure the mystery of baptism, the mystery of the church, the mystery of a universal reparation. God sent his only begotten Son into the world to repair what had gone wrong. And this is a descending reparation. That is to say, God comes down, as he said to Moses that he would come down, speaking from the burning bush, God comes down to repair what has gone wrong in us and in the world he created for us. But there is another reparation, an ascending reparation. God in creating the world had a project by which the world would have a doxological and Eucharistic finality. That is to say, all things created would redound to the praise of his glory. But when things fell into imbalance and chaos and darkness, that Eucharistic and doxological finality of creation was fatally compromised. What God expected from his creation didn't happen. Think of the man who planted the vineyard, expecting it to bear delicious fruit, and instead, at the harvest, going to the vineyard, he found scant fruit, and even that, bitter. Think for a moment of the divine disappointment. Think for a moment that God, who had invested himself in his creation, does not receive from it that for which he created it. And so the work of ascending reparation is that of Christ, universal King and High Priest, who gathers up all of the doxological and Eucharistic potential of the cosmos,
and gives it to the Father, thereby repairing, thereby making up for what should have been and was not. I'm compelled to ponder this mystery of reparation because with the new constitutions, with the constitutions, we will be obliged to deepen what it all means. I would not have myself or either of you enter into something without understanding it theologically and without appropriating it personally. This work of reparation is inscribed in the divine economy. One cannot understand Christ as new Adam and Mary as new Eve, Mary with the church and in the church and the church with Mary and in Mary as new Eve, without admitting that this work of reparation is central to the divine economy. Personally, this means that for me and for you, God had a plan. God has a plan, a wonderful plan. And yet, I have, I speak for myself, not yielded the fruit God expected from me. Nor have I corresponded to his glorious plan for my life. The wonderful thing about reparation is that in Christ it is never too late to repair what has gone awry. There is always and where there is hope, there is nothing that cannot be repaired. And so the glory that God expected from me, the love that he's waiting for from me that I haven't given him because of the zones of darkness in my own life and because of my sin, I can make up to him in Christ. And those things that are broken and distorted and twisted and disordered in me can be repaired in Christ. Not only can I make reparation to God for God's sake, not only can I be repaired in Christ, but because I am a member of Christ, 
because Christ lives in me and I live in Christ, I can make reparation to God for the whole world. And I can mysteriously, in my own place, though it be humble and hidden, contribute to the reparation of all who in this world are broken, twisted, darkened by sin. The how of this? Huge question mark. How does it work? The how? The answer to that question is in the cross and in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The answer to that question is in the oblation of the Lamb. The answer to that question is in the Son's obedience to the Father. Today is the 398th birthday of Mother Mechthild of the Most Holy Sacrament. This woman came into my life and because I am where God has placed me in your life, she's come to your life too. She is numbered among those prophetesses of the Church, those women richly endowed with graces by the Holy Ghost for the building up of the mystical body of Christ. She's numbered among those women who had a charism of teaching, a charism of communicating a doctrine that is luminous, and sure. Why, in God's plan, we should fall under the influence of this woman, I cannot begin to explain. I only know that God prepared me in my own life history to be able to read her, interpret her, translate her, make her known share her teachings with you. This is not a mere coincidence, but it's a long preparation positively willed by God that has brought us to this day. Tomorrow, with the new year, we will begin not just a new civic year, but a new phase in our development, in our organic development as a body, a monastic body, a living monastic community. Tomorrow, please God, we will begin, each one of us, with 
what he is and what he has to enter more deeply into this mysterious call to repair. I can think of no vocation more noble, more sublime than this call to reparation through adoration. Than this call to recapitulate all things in Christ, to participate in Christ's restoration of all things to the Father. In doing this, we ourselves will be repaired. And believing that, you should, both of you as I am, be full of hope. There is no brokenness that cannot be repaired. And in pursuing this vocation to reparation through adoration, we will begin to give to God what he has been waiting for. All of the glory and all of the love which he had in view when he created us. When he created all of the people who have lived from the beginning of time, those who will live until the end of time. When he created this world and all that it holds. Today on Mother Mechtilda's birthday, I ask with boldness and with confidence that God grant us the grace to enter wholeheartedly into the work of reparation through adoration. How does adoration repair? what has gone wrong. Adoration repairs what has gone wrong because it sets us in the only position that is right and fitting and true and just before God. It is neat and just that we should deem used to rest. And when we consent, when we assent, when we engage in what is meek and just in the sight of God, we are repairing. And in that repairing, God is glorified.